Good morning and welcome to Monday. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group and our toll-free number 800 Of course, legal, lawful, constitutional tender. Something now that even the central banks say, hey, when uh, we start over, yeah, we're going to start it off with gold. The website at allamericangold.com, and I'm Joe Jaquin. I am your host, and welcome to Monday. I know it's always m- m- the Monday blues. Uh, Eric will be with us tomorrow. Uh, the big game was this Friday, and wow, what it lived up to the hype. It was a fantastic game. We actually lost the first regular season loss for uh, for our school in over three years in double overtime, 35-34. Uh, congratulations uh, to uh, the Horizon Huskies. Uh, their their kids were they just played a fantastic game. Their coaching staff uh, really really well coached. And, and a shout out. Uh, to all the fans on both sides, uh, Horizon celebrated, but they did it really classy. And, and, and shout out to them and to our fans uh, as well. I think everybody there just appreciated uh, what a what a great game it really was. It was just back and forth and just a slugfest and and uh, ended in spectacular fashion. Obviously, I would have liked it to have gone the other way, uh, but but really, uh, that's really what high school sports is all about not only was it a like i said a big matchup big uh big game uh, but the kids performed uh the way that you would hope them to perform and and uh acted with a lot of class and a lot of dignity on both sides uh but uh again so i don't i know that that doesn't have anything to do with the show but i'm sure a lot of you wanted to know how it worked out uh, so uh, c- congratulations to the to the Huskies. Well, job well done. We'll regroup. We'll get it back together. We'll make a, make a run for the 5A st- state title. Uh, We've got a couple of weeks left before that starts. Uh, shout out to, uh, by the way, to, to Scott and Michelle. Got a couple of new listeners out there. They're uh, my son's girlfriend's parents. She was actually... Uh, away, she she was out visiting college. You know that's what you do. You know she's a senior. Uh, her parents came and supported our son anyway, and it was a great crowd. So uh, welcome to those those guys. I hope you guys enjoy the show. We got so much to talk about. It do we have a trade deal? Is it not a deal? What exactly is it? Nobody really knows. Uh, the the president he's trying. He he's trying. Uh, I, I didn't believe it really when I heard it on Friday. Uh, I believe it less today. Uh, and, and we'll have to wait and see. Um, it is, let's just put it this way. I don't know that it's possible for China to do what the president said. Talking about agriculture purchases, here's what we know this morning. So now that the weekend's gone by, right, the tweets and the this and the that, uh, there, there is no deal. There is a mutual understanding of a deal that is yet to be documented. So the, the I's aren't dotted, the T's aren't crossed. 
but but we'll break it down. I'll, I'll break it down for you. The the first this is a, something that they said is going to be done in phases. Phase one is China supposed to buy a lot of food. Now I actually went through because you know how I like to do it. I went and I looked. How much food do they buy? And and so can't count this year. Twenty nineteen, China's bought a lot less food from us, right? Because of the whole trade war thing. But twenty eighteen, uh, they bought around somewhere between, depending on what sources. And this is the other thing that gets a little, you know, like any government number, right? You you, you always got some sand in it. Somewhere between fifteen to twenty billion dollars for ch- Chinese purchases, and, and I actually went back and I because I was curious. The president says they're going to buy fifty billion dollars worth of food, and I was like, man, that sounds like a lot. It's a lot of food, and, and I'm like, is that is it even possible? So so this morning. I, I went back and I took, I, I don't know, it was like the last dozen years. And it made me believe uh, that none of the numbers we get are really very accurate. If you want it, I went and I looked, how much food do we export a year? And not just, you know, not just to China, but in total. Because I, I, I just wanted to know. And using the government data... Over the last 12 years, it's almost impossible in my mind. But do you know that every single year for the last 12 years, we've exported, and it's within $20 billion every year, the same amount. I mean, by and large, the numbers really sit between 140 and $150 billion total. Every single every year, even this year, we know China bought way less food this year, and the number it was down, but it was 137 billion dollars. Uh, so I guess I don't know that it would be possible. the The number that the president said would be we would export the largest amount of food in our history. By like thirty billion more dollars than we've ever done before. So who knows? But we'll get back to that. What does China think about American products? Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. I don't know. I'm just disappointed that you know this thing's been going on for a couple of years now, and we got nothing in writing. Right? I mean, you know, they didn't write anything down. Uh, and, and I will say, all weekend I was watching uh, China state-run media because that's, you know, the mouthpiece of the Communist Party. Um, never used, let me tell you what word they did not use. It was a pretty important word, deal. No, matter of fact, uh, according to the state-run media there in China, and I and CNBC confirming it, China expects another round of talks before there's any signing of any Phase One deal. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, which is so funny now, right? 
And I said this a while back. Why would the Treasury Secretary be in trade talks? Right? Of course, we all know why, because it's really about money. Uh, what we what we didn't hear from the Chinese state-run media was this thing about financial companies. The only way that I see a, a phase one deal is if China does what the uh, president had said in one of his tweets, which is... They'll allow, and, and, and everything's so vague, right? So we're not real sure all the details. But they're going to allow at least some, allegedly, at least some of our financial institutions to not have a Chinese partner. And again, I, I can understand from the Chinese side that, yeah, okay, what well, we don't need to steal your investing quantitative formulas right we we don't care about that stuff right we want we want all your technology when it comes to manufacturing we want all your technology when it comes to uh the the latest in ai do we need your technology on uh on your formulas for buying and selling stocks probably not they probably got the. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the the companies use the Chinese formulas, right? Because you know, let's face it, the the Chinese they got, you know, 1.4 billion people, and a bunch of them are pretty smart. But we don't know that either. I didn't see that anywhere in the Chinese uh, publications. I did see the thing about agriculture. I did see that they said that progress was made. That was it. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. The Treasury Secretary was on CNBC this morning and and did say, you know, if we don't get a phase one deal, the, those tariffs on December the 15th are going to go in place. So we'll have to wait and see. Not quite there. I, I understand, you know, and, and, again, I know the president's trying to put the best face on it and trying to get China to do something. Hey, if they can buy $50 billion worth of food, let's let's go, right? Let them do it. I don't know that they can. I mean, think about it. That would be more than one-third of all the food that we've exported over the last, you know, 12 years. Like I said, and that's the other thing about these numbers. Really? They're... It's almost like, well, what do, what do you do? Do you just play games? Oh, how about $150 billion this year, uh, $148 billion next year, uh, $142, oh, yeah, $146. Oh, well, you know, China's not buying the $137. It was, it was really a head-scratch because you think, you know, with floods, right? I'm just saying about weather, right? Flooding, droughts, right? Wait more than it does, but... Uh, that's kind of what's happening today. Uh, gold really almost right back to where it was before the progress. I don't know what to call it since we do, really don't have a deal. But then I really started to look, how powerful is China? You know, and we talk about on this show a lot. I, I, I educate you, right? And I tell you, nobody builds and sells more cars than China. Nobody uses more copper 
than China. Nobody uses more cement, more steel, right? I mean, China is building a lot, and, and they are the largest consumer of stuff. Now, we still have a higher GDP, but remember, our dollars are inflated. So when it but when it comes to actual stuff, no one buys more. But let me tell you, this was China released uh, their car sales. Uh, this was a September number, as this is it even shocked me because Chinese car sales have been falling, kind of like ours, fifteen straight months in a row. Uh, China's year-over-year car sales numbers have been declining. Car sales in China decreased 5.2% year-on-year. Okay, So they had a 5% drop in, in car sales from this September to last September. That's a big one, right? That's numbers here like with us, right? That, that would that'd be scary for us, right? We, we, we look at our car sales and, and hope that, hey, they're only down a couple of a per, percentage points. It was the number that caught my attention to 2.271 million cars in the month. Now, that would put China on an annual rate of over 27 million cars. We're going to be somewhere just below 17 million. Right, right, you know, 16, 8, 16, 9, somewhere between, let's just say somewhere between 16, 7 to 17 million cars this year. Matter of fact, we've never sold 18 million cars in a year. Ever. As a country. Never, ever. 18 million. China, car sales down 15 straight months in a row, 27 million cars sold for this year. So that that just gives you an idea. And I thought it was like maybe they were at like 20 million. I mean, they're, they're almost double what we're selling. And they're going to get that. I mean, I, I would venture to say in the next two to three years, China's car sales will be double ours. So that just gives you kind of an idea. If their car sales are double, right, then, and then what are we talking about? Probably, you know, Everything else probably kind of doubled. And then over the weekend, the Wall Street Journal wrote a big front page article. It was on the, they call it the exchange section now. The headline reads, America is losing the Chinese shopper. Political controversy isn't the only problem American companies are facing in China today. They are also up against adversaries like three squirrels. Like three squirrels? (laughs) Never heard of them. In just seven years, this company which makes nuts, seeds, and fruits has become one of the country's most popular snack sellers. Its cartoon squirrel characters have become so popular that they're now a three squirrels theme park that is underway. And apparently they got this online show. Now, I haven't Googled it, but uh, maybe if you want to check it out, 
an online show that has hundreds of millions of viewers. Now, we got 320 million people in the country. (laughs) They got more people viewing three squirrels than we got people. But here's here's what's interesting about what's happening. It is making it difficult, according to the Wall Street Journal, for iconic American snack brands like Oreo to gain more favor, even with special flavors. Now listen to these Oreo flavors, Oreo cookies, right? Special flavors like seaweed-flavored Oreos, Oreo wasabi, and Oreo spicy chicken wings. <laughs> right? What we, you know, we got like uh, red velvet Oreo, uh, mint Oreo. Over there in China, you got wasabi Oreo and uh, spicy chicken wing. Apparently, the American companies that are looking to China for new opportunities are now facing a new reality. Remember, we were talking about this over the summer, where Chinese companies right, are telling their employees, don't let me catch you with American products. Right? You, 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 you know, and China's a lot different than, than, than we are. Right? We know this, and I keep saying this. Right? Remember, the biggest part of the trade deal is we want them to stop being communist. Right? That's, it's, that's not on the table. But we we read a bunch of different articles, and and uh, people had smuggled out letters that were being given out to Chinese employees that essentially said, if we catch you with American-made products. Right? That's your last day, right? Pack it up, Charlie. You're out. And now, according to the Wall Street Journal, the problem is getting worse. And they're saying that uh, American-made buyers, you know, like Nike and Adidas, are starting to see their sales wane. How about how about this one? So we talked about cars, right? We talked about how China's car sales far superior to ours, even though they're down 5%. General Motors, right? Now, they, we know General Motors here. They haven't built a car here in a month, which is amazing. You would think you'd be driving by these DM, GM dealerships, and they'd be empty. Right? They haven't built a car in a month. Uh, so far, it's still, I keep waiting. It still hasn't happened yet. But General Motors announced that their car sales in China fell 30%. So, again, the there's more to this than we know. You know, we, we hear, you know, what, what our media wants us to know, which is, yes, we're hurting the Chinese and, 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 and we're winning and all. I don't know that we are. And every time... That, that I go out and I start looking at, at things, at least when when you find, uh, you know, what's happening inside of China, right? We hear about Hong Kong, right, and all the riots and, and all of those things, which, by the way, I've said, I said this for me, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I think that's going to end badly, and, and, and by badly, 
Uh, I mean, yeah, people getting, you know, taken out and disappearing and all those other things uh, over there in China. But, but again, the American companies there are starting to struggle. Here's an example. In 2011, the top three cell phone retails, right? So re- cell phone retail, what is the Chinese consumer buying? Nokia, Samsung, and Apple. Today, the top three sellers are all Chi- None of those are Chinese, by the way. Today, they're all Chinese. Obviously, Huawei, we know about them, right? And, of course, that's the company that uh, we're, we're worried about spying. And, of course, they're the ones that are building 5G networks in other countries. And then two other brands I can't even pronounce. Picture Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Today we are observing Columbus Day. Christopher Columbus is one of the very few people who have a holiday, and I think he deserves that honor. He wasn't a saint, but he was a hero. Columbus was one of the greatest seamen in the history of the world. Any competent sailor could have departed from Spain and reached America just by sailing west long enough. But it's unlikely that any others could have found their way back to Spain or could have returned to the same island on later voyages. One of the famous lines written by the songwriter Ira Gershwin is, They all laughed at Christopher Columbus when he said the world was round. I suppose you can call that poetic license for a musical comedy, but it's important to know that that line is a lie, and it's unfortunate that it appears in many school textbooks. Of course Columbus knew the earth was round when he set sail from Spain to the New World. All educated people had known that since ancient Greece. They just didn't know how big the earth is. Columbus certainly did not set sail believing that he was going to drop off the edge of the earth into outer space. Columbus was a man of great moral and physical courage. Again and again, he faced mutinous sailors, armed rebels, frightful storms, and dangerous Indians. He was also a man of deep Christian faith. He believed that God intended him to sail the Atlantic Ocean in order to spread Christianity. What a person believes is what determines his interpretation of life and history and inspires his vision and purpose in life. Columbus believed that he was obeying the mission God staked out for his life when he set sail west across the Atlantic Ocean. Columbus's voyage to America was one of history's most important events. It led to lasting contacts between Europe and America and opened new windows. To few men in modern history does the world as we know it owe so great a debt as to Christopher Columbus. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Whether it's the vision of our founding fathers, the courage of our veterans, the moral compass of Christopher Columbus, or the fortitude of presidents like Lincoln and Reagan, the truth of history should not be undercut by liberal ideology. At Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, we honor history even as we look to the future. Join us at phyllisschlafly.com. 
That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Talking about the change inside of China. Chinese consumers said that it used to be that foreign produced goods were superior. But that is no longer the case. They said now the Chinese makers, their quality is just as good, if not better, so we buy Chinese. So all the top-selling cell phone makers, not Apple, nope, they're all Chinese. How about this? For the first time ever, the top five grossing films in China were all Chinese. Superstores, right? Walmart, even Walmart's under attack. Uh, there's a this grocer, uh, Yongli. That's my great Chinese, by the way. Uh, is now on track to to surpass Walmart as China's largest market share in the grocery industry. So, uh, just other things that we need to know. This is kind of, and I, and I say it all the time, right? This isn't about trade. Right? This isn't about China making all this stuff. It's not about them buying food. It's, it's not about that. This is a, a battle. For China is emerging, whether we like it or not, China's emerging as a superpower. Right? And think about it, right? How many aircraft carriers have they built in the last 10 years? They don't even really have a Navy before. Now they got a Navy that's, you know, if it's not the second, well, I think it's the second biggest Navy in the world now and growing. Right, they got stealth fighter jets. Right, how did they get it? Well, they stole the technology. That's how they did it. Right, how did China all of a sudden uh, the Chinese consumer talking about? Hey, the quality of the Chinese stuff's just as good. Right, this was the problem. <laughs> how did that happen? Well, they stole it, or well, in most cases, they didn't even have to steal it. Right, that was just a requirement. Right? Hey, you want to sell? You want to sell cell phones here? Apple, tell us how you did it. And and they just reverse engineer everything. So uh, there's a lot more at stake here. This is this is a a a big game, and it's really game's the wrong word. I, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. And, and this is why you need to be prepared. You need to get ready. Uh, all over the world. I don't know if you saw, uh, what was it, I think it was last weekend, the reserve currency, right, which has been the dollar, and and people don't remember history. You know, and I'm sure uh, the English didn't expect us to take them out, right, because they were the superpower before we were the superpower. And we did. And... Most people don't realize how the dollar became the reserve currency of the world. Yeah, we were a superpower. You know, we came out and uh, rescued them during World War One, and, you know, helped everybody rebuild and, and all that stuff. But the dollar was the winner of World War Two. 
You know, and when you start thinking, of course, it's always about money, right? Always follow the money. Why are our troops leaving Syria? There's no money in Syria, right? Where are we putting our troops, by the way? Oh, all of a sudden, it's Saudi Arabia, right? Well, there's, there's money there, so let's put them there, you know. Follow the money. Bretton Woods, right? That was the deal. Right? We were sitting out. Remember, we were on the sidelines. Right? How did we get off the sidelines? Well, history would tell you, oh, it was Pearl Harbor. You know, not really. There was a deal that was struck before Pearl Harbor ever happened that was going to allow for the United States to come into the war, which was, hey, when we come in there, we're going to win. And when we win... Everybody buys everything in dollars. Okay? Everything's going to be priced in dollars. Right? Crude oil in dollars. Cotton in dollars. Soybeans in dollars. Steel in dollars. And that's how the world went. Now, Bretton Woods is no longer. And, and for a while... People's just, yeah, well, you know, it's it's not broke, right? We don't need to fix it. Of course, little by little, things have started to change. Obviously, the financial crisis was not a good thing for the dollar. And I know, you know, we always talk about, you know, what happened with the banks and the bailouts and people losing their homes. Something far worse happened. The rest of the world was like, eh, you know, we, maybe we need to start getting prepared a little bit here. And of course, we know that we allowed China, even though they met almost none of the criteria, to become the renembi got put into the basket of currencies. Very significant. Because it now allows for China to what? Hey, we want to buy in renembi. We want to buy oil in renembi. We want to buy uh, soybeans in renembi. We don't want to have to use the dollar. Because one of the great things about needing to use the dollar, man, all these countries had to have dollars. Right? Russia couldn't do what it did last year. Remember Russia sold all their treasuries, got rid of the dollar altogether. 30 years ago, that couldn't have happened. They wouldn't have been able to buy anything. They, they had to have them. Of course, now they, they do what? They price it in, in euros and rubles and renminbi. And all of a sudden now, right, our debt is exploding. We're having trouble now at these auctions. Our banks don't have the liquidity and our our central bank had to open the fed window right and what are they what are they handing them what loans are they handing they're handing them treasury notes because they need the cash they're like hey we're cash poor we we got money but but it's all in treasuries well why do they need to buy all these treasuries well, number one, our debt's exploding. But number two, 
rest of the world doesn't have to use dollars. And guess what? Every year, we're using a little less, and a little less, and a little less. When we return, I'm going to tell you the warning shot that got fired over the weekend. A very clear pattern has been emerging. You don't hear it. You know, if you're out there listening in radio world to what I'll call the mainstream talk spinners, right? The Limbaugh's and and the Hannity's. Uh, You won't hear it from the Gallagher's or the the, uh, Larry Elders of the world. You're not going to hear it from them, right? You have to tune in right here. You don't hear it on the TV. They may mention it once here or there. But they they never really explain to you what's really happening. Ever since, really, NAFTA and GATT, the free trade agreements, remember when we didn't want those jobs. And really, you can really trace it all the way back to 1971 when we closed the gold window. Right? Our debt was $400 billion. That was it. That's all we had. We used to run budget surpluses about as much as we ran budget deficits. Uh, most of that $400 billion was debt that we had gotten from winning World War II. We've never run another trade surplus, but we ran one. After nineteen, it was like nineteen. I think it was nineteen seventy-three. It's the last time we ever ran a trade surplus. Now we're having a trade war, right? Of course, it's not about trade. People, little by little, backing away from the dollar. Right? I've been telling you for the last several years, the bid to cover ratios at these debt auctions. We've got to have them every day. We're selling. We're not, it's not like we're selling like $10 billion a day. Right? We're selling between fifty and $150 billion of debt a day. Every day. And now all of a sudden, because countries aren't buying anymore, right? China and Japan... You know, they're they're they haven't added to their debt in years. Years. Matter of fact, China's actually been selling a little bit. Right? They haven't added in years. Nobody really has. And so now the banks have been stuck buying this all what have central banks been doing for the last ten years? Bringing their gold home? Buying gold, adding to their gold, right? China's bought a hundred over a hundred metric tons of gold this year alone. Russia's bought more than that. Right? Last year was the second highest level of central bank buying ever. Matter of fact, the largest amount since we closed the gold window. 
and and we're slowly now starting to see cracks appearing. Central banks issue stunning wa- uh, warning over the weekend. If the entire system collapses, gold will be needed to start over. Which makes sense, doesn't it? Now all of a sudden, uh, this is why all these countries are... And listen, I talk about Russia and China. We know Poland bought gold, <laughs> Austria bought gold, a bunch of countries that you can't point out onto a map. Everybody's doing it. And now... Uh, the the central bank, the Dutch central bank, on their website has posted an article. It's no longer the tinfoil blogs, right? I guess that's what they'd like to think uh, our website is, right? AllAmericanGold.com. That's just a tinfoil blog. You don't worry about them. Have been warning that a monetary reset is inevitable. That shouldn't even be a tinfoil helmet thing. Uh, What was it? The Curse of Cash was the name of the book. It was written, what was it, three, four, five years ago uh, by the former head of the IMF. Listen, I got bad news for everybody. Fiat money always goes to zero. What happened? Well, they print too much. Right. Think about what I just told you, right? They're printing so much debt that nobody wants to buy it. And now, starting tomorrow, we're back on quantitative easing. Right? The central bank has to buy it. Why? Because if they don't, the banks won't have enough liquidity to pay all the bills. Think about that for a minute. Think about that and then think, Maybe it's time you called the 800 number, don't you think? So they said in the in this article, now remember, what was the Bank of England? Pretty much said the same thing a couple of months ago. They claimed in the article on the Dutch Central Bank that if the system collapses, the gold stock, in other words, their gold reserves, will serve as a basis to build it up again. In other words, hey, when we rebuild the system, it's going to be rebuilt with the gold stocks that we have. Now, it was all in Dutch. So uh, we had to get, uh, you know, get it translated. But they called gold the anchor of trust. You know, my uncle always used to say about gold, you can say what you want. It doesn't pay interest, and you got to store it. But you know what else? It never goes to zero. Patro Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. Final segment here on this Monday, uh, the Dutch National Bank putting out there for all of its citizenry. Maybe you should pay attention. Gold is the perfect piggy bank. It's the anchor of trust. I like that. It's the anchor of trust for the financial system. If the system collapses, the gold stock can serve as a basis 
to build it up again. Gold bolsters confidence in the stability of the central bank's balance sheet and creates a sense of security. I want to. I think the Dutch are letting everybody know. Hey, uh, we're going to be buying more gold. Uh, speaking of more gold, today's special. Uh, this is a great item: uh, the ten dollar Liberty. Okay, so these are, you know, the old ten dollar gold pieces. I've been telling you for months now. It's been really hard to come by. All of a sudden, I don't know why. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but eighteen sixty six to nineteen oh seven. And a lot of things don't make sense to me, so that's not saying much. But I don't have any of the circulated gold that we normally sell. I don't have it. But today, I have what they call the CU slash BU. This is a grade that never existed before. Well, BU, you've heard of brilliant uncirculated. Normally, these coins would be shipped to PCGS or NGC to be graded. And they'd come back, you know, Mint State 60, 61, 62, maybe 63. But the premiums are so tight, right, that the, it's, the, the companies are like, uh, it's not worth the cost of getting a coin graded. And I haven't had coins graded in a, in a while now, but i got to imagine, probably, you know, like everything else, because there's no inflation, probably cost 20, 30 bucks to grade a coin now. So uh, they're, they're now selling these coins. Uh, they call them CUBUs. Uh, a regular $10 Liberty, you go on our website, it's $795. I've got the CUBUs, $5 less than that. So you get a better grade, better looking coin, seven hundred and ninety dollars at eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Now I don't know where they came from. Uh, they they just told me that the these they they had bought this bag of one thousand ten dollar liberties overseas. I don't know if that was in Switzerland or if it was in Hong Kong, uh, but they bought a bag that had a thousand ten dollar liberties in it. Inside of that, they said one hundred of those were this CUBUs. Like I said, they normally would send these to PCS, PCGS, or NGC to be graded. Uh, it's not worth the cost, right? The 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 cost to get them graded. Uh, and then try to sell them again. They would they'd lose money, right? Hey, it cost us an extra thirty bucks to grade them, uh, but we can't sell them. And you know, we're, if we we got to put them on special or do this or that, we'll lose money. So they're not doing it. Seven hundred and ninety dollars at eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Picture Radio News Hour. We will be back tomorrow. So make sure you tune in.